0: This is episode number one of High Impact Leaders, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to episode number one of High Impact Leaders. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute and author of the books, 28 Ways to Influence People and Cultivating Customers. And this is the podcast where we add confidence to your performance and motivation to your organization. So welcome uh, to our, our very first inaugural podcast. Um, the title of the first session is, it's really going to be about creating a personal vision statement for yourself. And we, we basically want to kind of show you how if you kind of create a vision for yourself. You kind of see where you want to go. You can actually increase your success level and your happiness as well. Um, so let me just kind of give you a little bit of background just to kind of let you know um, kind of who I am and and where I came from. I, I'm i CEO of the Leaders Institute. I've also this is not my first my first um, podcast, It's <laughs> my first time doing a podcast. In fact, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been doing the Fearless Presentations podcast, which uh, if you haven't yet listened to, um, I would encourage you to kind of pull that up on iTunes or or Spotify. Um, the cool thing about doing that podcast over the last couple of years though, is that it's, it's really allowed me to not only share a lot of the knowledge that I have about public speaking and presentation skills and, and building confidence, but I've actually grown so much as a speaker because if you think about it every week, I'm putting out another anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes worth of, of content. And, um, and I, I, I would think probably somewhere around episode number 25 or 30 I'd gotten I'd basically told the entire group everything that I knew about public speaking so from that point on I started to kind of grow learn new things and it, it's been a fantastic ride so since i started out 20 plus years ago as a leadership trainer a person who who was hired to come into big organizations and and teach them how to how to motivate and inspire their their team better or to manage groups of people and get everybody on the same page that's what i was hired to do originally and got really good at it at a very early age you know for instance um I, it's funny because um we we're going to talk today about setting a personal vision and when i was I don't know, probably 22, 23 years old. Uh, I, I I went to my first business conference and one of the topics there was setting a vision or creating goals for yourself. And I remember that the the person who was leading that meeting suggested that we write down our goals. Now, just so you know, the the, the person who was leading that meeting was quoting uh, uh, some statistical data that in, in the last 20 years or so, I've kind of realized it's totally untrue. So you'll, you'll kind of hear stories. I think the story that he told was the one that kind of gets thrown about in in self help books all over the place, where they they say, um, you know, back in the you know 1950s, um, a group of Yale students or Harvard students or Princeton students or something. It's always you know some Ivy League school were asked how many of them actually set goals and how many of them write down their goals. And anyway, and basically what they they say in that in that fictitious story is that, you know, 20 years later, they went back to the people that actually had goals and the um, and only, you know, 15% of them had goals and that 15% had accomplished more than the other 85% combined. And then only 3% had written down their goals and that 3% had accomplished more in the 20 years than the entire 97% combined. Um, I, I've, I've looked, for that data for years i mean i've in fact for the first couple of years because that was what was told to me when i started out in doing leadership stuff um i i kind of told that that same story because i i mean i just assumed it was true i don't think it's true though um however the concept is true, because when you write down um, your goals, you tend to accomplish things more quickly and more effectively. And and we'll cover why that happens, by the way, in in the podcast here. But um, the interesting thing was, is that I, I, because I didn't know any better, I did. I wrote down my goals and there were a few things that were kind of interesting that I, I, I came across this list. Uh, I think when I was 40 or so, I, I I found the old notebook that I wrote this thing down in 20 years prior and one of the things that I had that I wanted to do was I wanted to to um, I wanted to make a million dollars, which was dumb. I mean, I should have said I should I wanted to be a millionaire, but I wanted to make a million dollars by the time I was 30. And, uh, and I, in fact, I made my first million dollars when I was 36. So it took me a little longer than what I wanted to. But um, the interesting thing was, though, is that it took me 12 years or so from the time that I wrote that that goal down to actually accomplish it. But um, within six months after I accomplished it, once I, I made my second million and then six months later, I made my third million. So so once you kind of figure things out, it's much easier to kind of um, for the, the snowball to, to roll. And it makes it really fun. Um, But yeah, that was one of the things that I wrote down. The other thing that I wrote down was that I wanted to visit visit all 50 states and I wanted to visit all of the countries in Eastern Europe. Um, Interestingly, when I was, um, uh, I don't know, in my, in my um, late or mid twenties anyway, I I married a a woman from Ireland and uh, we go to Europe quite often now. So um, she, her her folks are there. So when, um, what we do is um, when, when the kids were small anyway, we would drop our kids off at the grandparents house and then we would pop over to the, the mainland and go see italy or go see paris or you know whatever and we we did that quite often um uh, because of the industry that i'm in because i do training and i and i train with some some you know pretty big companies I've, i've actually visited 47 of the 50 states so three of those kind of outlandish goals that i wrote down back when i was i don't know 23 24 years old or so um came have have pretty much come true. I mean, obviously I've got three states left to go, but, you know, pretty close and and I've seen all of Europe that I actually want to see now. So, after being there quite a few times, I've I've uh, I've got a got a chance to see some of the really cool places in Europe and and had had a lot of fun doing it. But all of that, I I think that a lot of the decisions that I made throughout my life and my career were, were really I uh, influenced by those goals that I set at such an early age and you can do the same thing. So um, let me, let me just kind of g- back up a little bit and talk about what a personal vision statement is and, and give you some, uh, a quick little overview to it. And I think it'll be um, kind of fun for you. Back when I was in high school, my English teacher assigned us a book report and she gave us, uh, I think I was like in 11th grade and she gave us 10 or so books to, to choose from. And we could pick any one of them, one of them. And, and I was not a big reader at the time. So um, I, so I chose the shortest book and I thought I chose what I thought was the most interesting book as well, which I think I did. I think I picked the most interesting one. It was Alice in Wonderland. And incidentally, you know, I wasn't a, a big reader at the time, but since that time, when I, after I graduated from college, you know, I, I think I've read probably a thousand or more books and I've even written a few now. So, so my, my um, focus had kind of changed. But back when I was, you know, 16, 17, year, I guess 17 years old at the time, I didn't really care a whole lot about reading, especially reading books that, that um, were interesting to my English teacher and not necessarily interesting to me. But it, but Alice in Wonderland was was actually one of those books that I ended up reading. It's one of the few that, even though it was assigned to me, I actually read it. Um, that um, kind of stuck with me. It was fun. It was interesting, and I actually told other kids about it and how 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 fun it was to to read. But in this story, if you haven't, if you don't remember it, if you didn't see the Walt Disney movie, um, Alice follows the White Rabbit down a hole and eventually ends up at a crossroads where she meets the Cheshire Cat. And not sure which way to go at the crossroads, she has the exchange this exchange with the cat. And I kind of, I kind of quoted it. I mean, I, I don't have this memorized, by the way, but I have it in front of me, so I can kind of read it to you. The, um, so the cat says, you know, um, so would you tell me, please? Wh- oh, no, I'm sorry, Alice. Alice. So she says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat re- responds with, that depends a good deal on where you want to get, get to. And Alice responds, I don't care much where. And then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. Uh, so long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if if you only walk long enough. So basically, and it's, it was I mean, Alice in Wonderland is really one of those nonsensical kind of things. But that that phrase, that um, exchange between the Cheshire cat and Alice has been kind of misquoted um, often in self-help books and motivational speakers and that kind of thing. And the way that most people kind of misquoted Lewis Carroll is they'll say something like, you know, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will get you there, and and although those were not the exact words that the Cheshire Cat used, the, the the paraphrase is often it's often easier to use as an illustration when you're when you're teaching people about creating a personal vision, you know. So so Carol used satire and exaggeration to create an interesting story and to point out human frailties and and potential. And, and most people get to a point in their careers, though, where they they just begin to kind of go through the motions, you know, and they'll, they'll think things like, well, as long as I just do my job, I'm successful. However, if, if you're not growing, you're dying. So when you generate a, a personal vision, a personal vision statement for yourself, and if you've generated, you, you create kind of a roadmap to to help you grow. It's funny because the years later, the Peter Principle, um, that uh, that was written. I don't know. I guess a hundred years after Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland, uh, the, a guy named Dr. Lawrence Peter wrote a, a, another satire. This actually a, a it was designed to be a humorous book, and he called it the Peter Principle. and And incidentally, I mean, this book it was created for humor, but over the last forty years, the term has really become synonymous as a phrase to describe a person who has risen to a level of incompetence in his or her profession. So. Although this is, the book was intended to, to be funny, you know true true satire is is funny because of the truth that it points out. And most people in business are are you know a lot of times are just kind of promoted over and over again until they no longer have the skill sets to move ahead. And and once a person hits that point in his or her life, and you you kind of don't acquire new skills, then your happiness and your contentment will will really suffer. So remember, success is not a destination. Success is the journey. It's, it's that journey that you're taking to, to get to that higher level of, of achievement. So um, when, when I was just starting my training career, I had a, a chance to study under this fantastic teacher. Um, again, his name was Ralph, um, Ralph Nichols. Uh, he was up in, in um, Michigan. I was in Dallas Fort Worth at the time, and um, and this guy was like an icon in our industry, in the training industry. He he, um, I finally got. I mean, I I had was had a convention with him, a conference with him, and he was teaching. He was leading the the um, the breakout session that that I was in. And since he was kind of a friend of my boss, my boss had trained under him, I, I, I'd finally gotten enough courage to go speak to him one on one. Because like I said, he's like this icon, this guy that that is is larger than life in, in, in the industry. And uh, I really couldn't think of anything to say. So I just kind of looked at him. I, I thought I was giving him a compliment and I said, hey, I hope that someday I'll be as good as you as a speaker. And he just kind of laughed, you know, I'm I'm not sure if anybody ever said anything like that to him before, but he just kind of laughed. He said, son, you will never be as good as me. And I was kind of a bit startled, you know, I was like, well, what do you mean? And without missing a beat, he re- he came back to me, he said, in order for you to catch up to me, I'd have to stop learning. And I have a 50 year head start on you. And um, it was interesting because it, I, I, I think I've kind of used that line with my own with my own um, instructors from from time to time, because uh, the, the thing that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I kind of see as one of my key attributes, the reason why I continue to go out and, and, and speak and, and people, you know, pay me a pretty good fee to, to, to come out and coach them and teach them is that I'm continually learning. I'm not stopping. I'm learning new things every single week, every single month, every single year. I'm getting better. I'm better now than what I was this time last year. I'm better now than what I was two years ago. And so for somebody that's just starting out in their career. Um, there, you know, it would take them a a while to, to kind of catch up to me. And that is absolutely true. But what, what, uh, what this speaker that I was talking to, um, you you know, was, was kind of referring to was that he used his own version of this personal vision statement to continue to learn throughout his career. But, um, I, I think the, I, you know, that, I mean, that, that thing that he told me, I think was really one of the wisest and really most useful things that any Body has probably ever said to me. But the big thing that he was missing and and that became clear to me after I started training instructors myself was that because I was studying under him, I didn't have to spend 50 years working through the process like he did. So my learning curve was much, much shorter. That was why I was able to accomplish. I mean, in the past 20 years or so, I mean, I, I've, I've greatly passed where he was or is right, and in addition, there have been people that have studied under me who have greatly passed me in the last, you know, ten years or so. And one of the, because because one of the major secrets to success is that you don't have to figure everything out yourself. All you really have to do is figure out what you want to accomplish, and then go find somebody who has already accomplished that goal. And once you find that person, just model that person's behavior. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just go out and model what that that person is doing. Um, When I first uh, got into, you know, when I first started the Leaders Institute and didn't have a whole lot of customers at the time, I was I was kind of drumming up business. And since I played football in college, um, when I started the Leaders Institute, I, I would sometimes work with high school coaches to help them create a winning team. I wasn't actually coaching football. I was coaching motivation and and how to get the these young kids to to work as a really cohesive team, and I got a call out of the blue one time from uh, from the head coach of of the of, of the um, high school in the little town of Maypearl, Texas, which is about I don't know maybe twenty or thirty miles south of our our office here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And um, this this coach had uh, the the school anyway. The school had this history of of losing. <laughs> Basically, the team had. They, they hadn't had a winning season in decades. And, and it had been, I think he told me it had been over 50 years since they had even been to a state playoff game. So he invited me to come in and, and train his kids during their offseason. And when I did my first session with them, I, I didn't go in to do the motivational speech. I basically just taught taught them how to shorten their learning curve to success. Basically what I was just kind of sharing with you. Um, basically what I told, the, what told these kids was that, most high school athletes, they look at the kids who have the natural athletic talent, the folks that are the fastest runners or the, the ones that can catch the balls the best or whatever it is. Right? They, they look at the, 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 the athletes and they say, I really want to be like that person. However, if someone has a natural talent that you don't have – Wishing that you had that talent is really just a pipe dream. <laughs> so um, if somebody is naturally really fast and um, I wish that I had that natural talent, I, I, I wasn't born with that talent. So I'm, that's a pipe dream. I'm not, I'm not going to get there. So instead instead of looking to the person who is the best at something on your team, find out what you need to improve in and then find the person on your team who has improved in that skill the most, then just do what that person did. (laughs) So for instance, if you wanna be faster, don't go find the fastest kid, go find the kid who improved his 40 yard dash time the the most in the last year, and then just do what he did. If you wanna be stronger, go find the kid, don't go to the strongest kid, go find the kid who increased his squat or his bench press max the most in the last year, then just do what he did. The student, the the the, the, the basically by when I when I kind of taught them this this fact or this this skill in in the short little session that I had with them the first time that we met the students began to, in a very short period of time, stop looking at their natural athletes as the leaders on the team. And they replaced their leaders with the young people who were growing and improving the most. Basically we were creating the leaders out of those kids that had the natural leadership talent. And that year, by the way, that this, this young school, they or this, these young people at the school. Anyway, they, they had a a one in nine record the year before I went in and did this little coaching session with them. And that, they, that year, they ended the season eight and two and went to their first playoff game in 50 years. And the kids, basically what they did was they used my coaching as their personal vision statement generator. They used it as a way to kind of propel them to success. And you can do the same thing. You, you can do something similar in your career. So over the next couple of episodes, now that we kind of understand the value of generating a really good personal vision statement, um, I I'm going to show you over the next couple of episodes exactly how to do one of these things, and and we're going to try to make it really turnkey for you. In fact, um, I'm going to give you on on the next episode, I'm going to give you a link that you can go to on our website where you can kind of just fill in the blank, and it will help you create your own personal vision statement. So stay tuned next week. We're going to give you a quick, easy way to create your personal vision statement. I'll see you next week.